the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas. Woohoo! Welcome to today's show. Today we have an incredible man who will be on the show, um, and he is actually the mayor of Vista, California, here in California and San Diego. His name is Mayor John Franklin, and I don't want you to leave because the latter part of the show, we, we are still in the book of Daniel, and we'll be coming out of Daniel chapter 6. And without further ado, uh, Mayor John Franklin, thank you so much for being on the show today. It means a lot to me, and I'm honored to have you here. If you wouldn't mind telling our audience a little bit about yourself. I'd be delighted. It's an honor to be with you. Um, well, I'll just tell you, I was elected mayor of Vista about a year ago, and I'm in my 11th year serving the city of Vista as an elected official. I was elected to the water board for two years on the Vista Irrigation District and served there, and then the city council, and then mayor. Uh, so I, I'm growing uh, little by little in the opportunity to serve people, and I will tell you, it's been the pleasure of my life to get to serve my neighbors in this role uh, I've been very focused on the homelessness issue. In fact, that was really the reason that I decided not to retire from the council, but to run for mayor instead and really have an opportunity to make a difference on something that I see uh, people are suffering. And it's not just those who are on our streets. I also see the families whose children are living on our streets suffering because we haven't figured out yet what the right approach is. And uh, I've, I've learned some things that I want to share with people as we go that I really think can make a difference. You know, it, it's amazing to have you here. I know that Vista is definitely this outstanding city, especially since you've been mayor. We've seen a lot of changes, a lot of good stuff happening. And, you know, your homelessness problem is not as big as some of the other cities. And so I, I still believe you guys are you know, a, a great city, and um, they are so blessed to have a mayor like yourself serving the city. But let me ask you a little, que- a couple of questions about, um, I I don't believe you're a native Californian, but you grew well, up not. where? Where did you grow up, uh, uh, Mayor? I grew up in Kansas. In Kansas. I grew up in Kansas, and, uh, and then I, I had one of the most amazing opportunities as a very young person. I I moved to Washington, D.C., and I finished my education at the American University in Washington, D.C., and I interned for who was then a congressman from Missouri named Roy Blunt. He became a U.S. senator later after I worked for him. And then I found the opportunity to work for a little-known uh, junior congressman by the name of Daryl Issa. And uh, so I started 21 years ago answering the mail in the congressman's office, and I got to learn about so many incredible issues at really every level. But, you know, I it began my love of service in, uh, you know, in reading people's questions. Some of them were, were quite intricate and you had to learn a lot about a particular issue. And then you go and you visit with the congressman and you share what the constituents have to say and what you've learned. And you find out what, uh, you know, what his opinion on the subject is and what he'd like to say. And you come back and you draft a letter and, and you bring it back for his approval. And so that was my that was my entry into politics. And uh, and that's what began my love of serving people. And so when I came back to when I moved to California and I I, I really I came to Vista because of my work with the congressman. I started traveling to Vista in 03 and uh, I saw a place that was not that different than the place I grew up in Kansas. The, the trees are a little different and the weather's a lot better. And we have a couple more hills than they do in Kansas, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, you know, I, I, I found a, a people that I fell in love with and a neighborhood that I fell in love with. And 
2009, I moved permanently to Southern California to Vista, and I met my wife here. Um, I built a business here, and uh, for the majority of the last 20 years, I've been a small business owner. My wife and I are employers. Uh, we have a, a small business that we go to work at every day that's here in Shadow Ridge and Vista, and we're very proud to uh, be part of the, the local small business economy, and that's one of the other reasons why it's so important to me as a, a homeowner and a business owner to give back because this is where we spend all of our time is here in the city of Vista. That's amazing. What type of business do you have, uh, Mayor Franklin? We're in marketing and advertising. We provide services to nonprofit organizations, to uh, for-profit businesses, uh, construction firms, law firms, uh, and we even work with some elected leaders still. And so uh, we we have a lot of opportunities to communicate, whether it's product offerings or uh, about candidates and leadership. Uh, we have a lot of fun working with the people that we serve. You know, that's amazing. So you going into this mayor role, um, you go in there with experience because definitely um, at a time like this, it's a small business owner that was affected. I call it a pandemic, you know, and that were really affected with what recently happened. So your experience is bringing a lot to the table. And yeah, I think it does. So let me ask you another question. So you're a, a business owner. Um, were you a councilman before you became the mayor? Is that what you said? Yes, I was a councilman for eight years, elected twice. I was elected at large to represent the entire city in 2014. And then we created districts, uh, which we were required to do by the California Voting Rights Act. And we did that in about 2018. And in 2018, I ran for the newly created fourth uh, council district representing the southernmost portion of the city. And I'm proud, again, to represent the entire city. Uh, you know, the great thing about being on the city council is, you know, a lot of our cities around here are large enough that you may not frequent every part of them. But as mayor, I get an opportunity to frequent parts of the city I wouldn't otherwise be in and get to know people I wouldn't otherwise know. And you're one of them. I was honored to meet you at the first Liberty Luncheon. And, uh, you know, I just I love coming into contact with people who love our community uh, and who love our country and who love God. And it's just such a blessing to, uh, to you know, that my, my neighbors gave me the opportunity to serve them in this way. Wow. You know, you just said something really incredible. You, you love God. Um, when did you have your encounter with God, if I may ask? You know, um, as a young man in uh, my early 20s, I really came to know God uh, in that that time where you've left uh, home and you're on your own and you don't know how things are going to work out. And you're, you know, I, I, I pulled up uh, roots from where I'm from and left my entire family behind and moved to the uh, East coast. I didn't know not one person there. Uh, wow. I had no friends, no contacts. And uh, I'll never forget the first time I went out there. I went out with a single suitcase and that was all I had to my name. Are you serious? And, Absolutely. Wow. And, and I went out there and, you know, I, I did, uh, when I finally made a permanent move out there, I, um, I knew that I was going to the American university and I had a place which was unfortunately very expensive and I was, uh, paid for on borrowed money. And it took me a decade to pay that money back. In the student <laughs> loans. And, uh, but, um, you know, I, other than a place to live and a school to go to, I did not know anyone. And I applied for a job on the, the student job board, I did four different unpaid internships, Wow! Uh, worked for free for about two years. And uh, my whole life, since I've been 12 years old, I've had a, a paying job. I had a, I also had a paying job during those two years, except for one six month period when I, when I interned in the Capitol building for the house majority whip, uh, I did, uh, was not able to, to work. And so I had to kind of live on student loans during that period of time. But all the, the tumult that I went through um, and the ups and the downs and the not knowing whether you would be accepted uh, if you didn't have God and Christ in your life, then you didn't have a center. And uh, I do describe myself as an optimist. Um, I'm a, incidentally, I'm a member of the Optimist Club here in Vista, but the creed of the optimist uh, really is the only way you can be an optimist and to see hope and have faith in the future is to believe in God and know that, you know, he gives us a moral compass to follow and that he calls us to serve our 
our fellow man. And, um, and that, and that means uh, serving the community in any way that we can. Mayor, that, that is powerful, mayor. You know, right now we have a, a, a large audience that's growing in Hawaii and a super amazing audience here in San Diego. And, and I want them to know that you are a man of God and you are a man uh, of, of morals and, and you love your country and, and you're a, a, a man that loves people. I mean, when I met you, you were this vibrant man and, and, and you were basically the light of the room. And I was so intrigued by you. And I just want to thank you for the man you are. Now, what are some future goals for the city of Vista that you're, that you're looking forward um, to making better? I know one of them you said was the homeless uh uh, the homeless problem that a lot of cities in San Diego have. And it seems like they may even grow because of our open borders and policies that are just out of control right now. Um, what do you foresee in, in kind of taking care of that and some of the other major things that you're looking forward to taking care of? Well, for me, the two biggest issues are very closely linked and they are uh, crime and homelessness. And we start out with, you know, in the state of California, our legislature passed a law called AB 109, the Prison Realignment Act. And that reduced our state prison population by about half. And it put about 80,000 people back on the streets of our community. Actually, out of those 80,000, about 40,000 of them wound up in our jails in the county jail system. Wow. Which meant that the jails now being forced to accept this uh, influx of folks that had been previously in the state prison system. Now they're in the jail system, and so a lot of the people that uh, are described as lesser criminals, uh, maybe their crimes weren't violent in nature, but those folks wound up getting pushed out of the jail altogether, didn't serve their terms, and we're seeing a, you know, de-policing happened. Uh, You know, for whatever reason, it it started as a political movement. It uh, it grew because of national uh, events, but, you know, I, I ran... 11 years ago on a platform to hire more police Amen. because of Amen. The, sim- the simple reason that we hadn't hired any deputies in about 15 years and our population had grown. Our population in Vista had grown about the same size, 1% every year that the state of California grew. Nothing exceptional about it, but as our population grew, and I'll tell you, first we hired 12 new firefighters, then we hired 19 more. And during that time we had hired when we had hired 12 firefighters, we'd hired zero new deputies. So the community's bigger, same number of deputies. We have a smaller ratio. Wow. And at some point uh, during the evening in the midnight shift, we only have six deputies that are actually on patrol. Oh, my goodness. And that's just not enough for a city of 100,000 no. people. No, And our residents, any of them who have dialed 911 and waited for somebody to show up, they know full well that we don't have enough deputies. And they know that our deputies always have a call that's waiting behind the one that they're on which means that when a deputy is working to serve you, they have somewhere else that they need to get to to serve someone else. So uh, I think for safety, for, preven- for, for prevention is incredibly important, but also to provide customer service that meets our expectations. And I, this is what I really want to focus on because, you know, I have been moved by the people who have come and they've had a different life experience than I have dealing with the police. I grew up in Kansas in a place where we all got along with and the police were universally seen as the good guys. Absolutely. And I still see them as the good guys. But I've met a lot of people who have a fear, and I, and I hope and, and pray that it's an unjust fear. And I, and I believe that if we can bring the community together with our law enforcement and, and for them to meet each other and yes. know one another, yes. uh, through that relationship building, we can, we can show every element of the community that these individuals are here to serve us, that they're a part of our community, that they love us, uh, that they chose a career in public service because they love serving other people. But we need to give them the, the respect of giving them enough resources and manpower yes. to adequately serve us, uh, not overtaxing them and creating a lose-lose situation for them. And, and I just have to say it again, my position, uh, you know, running to hire more deputies, all was well before the national political debate, and I never backed down even when it became very contentious. Amen, Mayor. People Amen. Build our chambers and they wanted us to de-police. But the reality is what we've seen in the state of California is an unwillingness to prosecute crimes, 
that are deemed by somebody to be, quote, lower level, uh, an unwillingness to arrest people, to, to book them into jail. This is a very important issue, booking somebody into jail, because when we arrest somebody, we put them in handcuffs, we write them a citation, and they've been, quote, unquote, arrested. But it doesn't mean that they've been booked into jail and had to spend the night there. Yeah, they And increasingly, go. what we're seeing is people are not spending any time, not even 10 minutes in the, in the jail cell. No consequences. And you know that no consequences. And I will tell you, I just saw it for myself. We've seen it on the news and an internet uh, video, but I just saw it for myself on Sycamore uh, here in Vista at the Walgreens. I saw somebody load up their backpack right in front of me and walk out. And, and I looked at the cashier just in disbelief. And I said, wow, did he just walk out with all that stuff? And she looked at me and she said, mm-hmm. You know, she had seen it obviously a, a, a large number of times and was no longer phased by it. Wow. But um, we lost our Vons grocery store on South Santa Fe in a poor part of the city. And the manager told us as he closed the doors for the last time that it was shoplifting, that he was closing the store because of that was the thing that had affected their bottom line to the point where it was unrecoverable. And the corporate, uh, you know, directors of Vons had decided to redeploy the resources elsewhere. So some of my colleagues, and I'll tell you, it blows my mind when I hear them talk this way. But they, they talk about, well, maybe somebody needed those things they stole. That's crazy. And That's it, insanity. I, I believe it is. And I'll tell you, the, the reason I think it's, in, it's crazy is because, you know, and I, and I went and I shot a video at the food bank here in North County. We have a wonderful facility and we have over 200 satellite locations. Wow. Where the food bank distributes free food. Wow. I was just at the opening of one recently at Operation Hope here in Vista. That's amazing. A beautiful there. pantry. They have diapers, they have baby formula, they have fresh produce, and so, and they have deodorant, anything that, that any person would need. And all you have to do is sign your name that you're in need. You don't have to show your pay stub. You wow. do not have to uh, show your bank statements. There's no interrogation. There's just, you put your name down, I'm in need, you self-certify, and then you're allowed to take what you need. No justification so, to steal. There's no justification to steal in our community today, but a lot of our neighbors don't know how generous the heart of our community is. And so this is one of the things, you know, we, we just have a big educational divide. And so one of the things I want all of our list, all of your listeners to know, and all of my voters and people I represent, I want them to know uh, that we have a very generous community, that the resources to help people are there. Because you have an but amazing mayor, Vista. Well, uh, I wish I could claim credit for all of it. Um, what what I want to be responsible for is making the citizens who need the services aware of them and connecting them. But more important, uh, you know, families like yours that may not be in need of services, but are helping finance and fund those services for your for your neighbors. Yes. I want you to be aware, because if you don't know what the services are and some of our neighbors don't know what the services are, then you could perhaps understand some confusion about, you know, being concerned about people's motives and their needs. And of course, I believe, and I believe this in my heart as a Christian, I believe there's not one of us, believer, non-believer, I believe that the human heart is uh, motivated to help others. And that's why when we see people, they're asking for money on the side of the road, they're very successful. So one of them told me that he makes $400 every day that he's out there. People want to help. They're desperate for a genuine opportunity to help another person. You're right. It's crazy. And you said that, but it's become a business to certain people. It has, unfortunately. And so anyway, I want to share the word about the great organizations in our community. And then I believe that by doing that, that I can talk to some of our neighbors that aren't convinced yet. And I believe I can show them the services that are available. And then I believe they'll start to ask themselves the question, well, if these services are available, why would somebody choose not to avail themselves of those services and instead choose to commit a crime? And we used to be intolerant of crime. Yes. And I think we need to be intolerant of crime once again. I have to agree. It's for the safety of the people for the people. Mayor, you are incredible. So if anyone is listening now, and and somehow, you know, they want to help. What what can they do to help, Mayor? Well, you know, I, I think the most important thing that any citizen can do is to 
pay attention to what's happening in your community. In Vista, you can log into the city council meetings on Zoom. You can watch them from the comfort of your living room. And I hope people will take the time to listen to the debates of the day, uh, listen to the solutions that are proposed. I think the most important, you know, remember the woman that asked Ben Franklin on his way out of the Constitutional Convention, and she said, she said, what kind of government have you given us? And he said to her, a republic, if you can keep it. And, you know, th- th- this is something that I think a lot of us don't think about or, or maybe haven't been reminded of is the fact that a democratic republic, a constitutional republic like we have, belongs to an informed citizenry only. Amen. And if we're not informed and we don't do our research and we don't listen to the debates of the day and we don't care about what's happening right here in our own neighborhoods as much as we care about what's happening and and I and I care deeply what's happening at the border and and uh, in Israel and in Ukraine but uh, the things that are happening locally require our attention also and unfortunately this is not a form of government uh which is on autopilot it really requires an informed and motivated citizenry yes. to engage in the decision making yes you know i've always looked at if we can't take care of home we'll never be able to take care of other places you know, and the Bible's very clear. If you can't take care of those within, you are worse than an infidel. And, and so, you know, you have a love for country. You have a love for the city of Vista, for people. You're vibrant. Um, you know, what's in the future for you, Mayor? I know we have a few minutes left. Tell me what's in the future for you, Mayor. Well, I'm focused on serving the people of Vista as mayor. I've got three years to go, and that's uh, probably as far into the future as I can think. But I will tell you that um, I I doubt I'll be able to put down the desire to want to serve others. Um, Maybe it'll be in a different capacity in the future, but uh, it has become a great love and a great passion. And uh, as I've as I've really come to understand the um, level of misinformation that exists and the way that the enemy uses that ignorance of the public, that misinformation and lack of education understanding, they use it to get their way and ultimately to achieve outcomes that are not in the best interest of our families and our communities. And that's where my desire to educate people and share with them uh, what government is doing and uh, what government's doing wrong, uh, you know, to implement programs to stop and curb uh, shoplifting in our city to protect business owners and more important to protect the families that rely on those stores so that those stores don't get closed so that they'll have somewhere to shop. Um, there are, I, I look at things and I say, uh, you know, other people may say this thing is, is always been done this way for, for years. And I say, why can't it be done better? You know, we, we have a building department uh, that is one of the best in the County but I, I look at it and I say, could it be better? And how could we make it better? And I like to experiment. But here's the here's the important thing about piloting new programs is you have to be willing and ready to confess when you fail. And to me, this is one of the most important things in government, transparency yes. and accountability. Yes. And if you fail, tell people you failed and say, you know what? I appreciate the opportunity to try something new. We know that what we're doing, we're spending infinitely more money every year on these problems, yet the problems get worse. So clearly what we are doing is not working. Clearly a different approach, an experimental approach, even if you will, is warranted. But if we experiment, we failed, then we need to confess our failure and we need to try again until we get it right. But we shouldn't continue to triple down on failed policies that waste money, that hurt families, and that are destroying our communities. And, and frankly, we're seeing our, our kids and our brothers and sisters are moving away from California because they can't afford the cost of property here. They're tired of the crime. They're tired of the indifference of the community. So, you know, my wife, uh, you know, her family is here. Uh, my family's still in the Midwest, but uh, we're going to have a, another nephew born here in December that we're really excited about. So for the future, uh, for our ability to retire here, I want this to be a beautiful place. So I'm excited about what I'm doing. That's awesome. Mayor, thank you so much for being on the show today. I love you. Thank you for having me. You are a man of God, and God bless you, and God bless Vista. In Jesus' name, thank you. God bless you, too. Thank you. 
Woo! The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Welcome back to Freedom with Adam Riojas. We just had an incredible mayor, man of God, father, husband who is on fire and making things better in Vista. If you live in Vista, the mayor is open to speaking with you and taking ideas. He is a great man. And Vista, you are so blessed to have a mayor like John Franklin. Mahalo and aloha, San Diego was off in Jesus' name. So here we go. Out of the book of Daniel, we are in chapter 6 now. And here is an amazing message for you and I. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Remember, last time we finished, we were we finished chapter five, and we saw how the Meds and the Persians had conquered Babylon. And now we see something amazing, how Darius, under the direct supervision or uh, power from Cyrus is setting up a kingdom with 120 princesses, which should be over the whole kingdom. Now it's always important to set people over, to have people that are willing to work, that are willing to help. And that's basically how a church is made up of with elders, deacons, ushers, those that help in children ministries, and, and, and the list goes on. And this is exactly how government is set. That's why you and I should be involved in government. That's why if you don't like something that's happening, you should vote. You should run for office. You should be a mayor. You should be a council person. The, the, may, the governor of California or the president of the United States. So here we go. Verse 2 says this. And over these three presidents, whom Daniel was the first, that the princess might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. What he was saying is so that the king would be protected. He's setting up over these 120 uh, princesses that he has. He has three that oversee them. And this way, the kingdom is ran perfectly. But we see here that Daniel continues to stay in power. This is now the third king that he serves directly under. And as we continue, it says this, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And why did he have an excellent spirit? Because he found favor in the eyes of God. You know, in Proverbs, it tells us that, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so here we see the perfect example. Daniel is still serving God no matter what. And he finds favor and he's preferred above everybody else. So basically he's, he's third in command. You have, you have Cyrus and you have Darius and then you have Daniel now. Verse 4 says this. Then the president's. And the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. They were jealous. Jealousy is is a sinful desire. 
that rises up within us when we want something that doesn't belong to that belongs to somebody else. And it's not that we are jealous uh, because we should have that. We're jealous because that person has that. And we believe we should have that. Just like these people, they're looking at Daniel and they don't see how this captive, this, this people that were brought from Israel is now in command again when he had served under three previous uh, rulers in the land of Babylon, which is now being run by the Persians and the Meds. And then it says this. And so because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Do you guys hear that? He was faithful. He was a loyal follower, even though he he followed this king and he was under directly this king, he was loyal. But more than that, he was loyal to his God before anything else. Then it says this, Neither was there any error or felt fault found in him. They couldn't find anything secular that he was doing wrong. They knew he was running it perfectly. They knew that he had no flaws and no faults and that he was serving the king faithfully. So this is what these wicked men did. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel. The guy's perfect. Basically, he's, he, there's nothing wrong with this guy except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. See, they looked at what made Daniel perfect. And when I mean perfect, whole, what made Daniel shine? And they knew it was because of his God. So they began to scheme and say, how can we take this guy down? There is no way that this man should be second in command. He's a Jew. You know, the Bible is very clear when he spoke to Abraham and he called Abraham out of the land of the Chaldeans, out of Iraq. When he says, I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. And that blessing has been a blessing that has been unmovable where they didn't have to do anything to deserve it. It was like that because God said it would be like that. Then it goes on. Then these presidents and princesses assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statue. King, we've met together and we have a plan to exalt you, King, and to make a firm decree or a law that's unchangeable that whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for 30 days, except of thee, O King, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Have you ever felt like that where uh, you were cast into a den and it doesn't necessarily have to be lions. It could be metaphorical for you. A, a den where people wanted to just tear you up because they hated of who you were or of your possessions and the man or woman that you represented because of what God had done in your life. That goes on. Now, O king, establish a decree. Make this the law, king, and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Meds and the Persians, which altereth not, which does not change. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. He was like, whoa, well, it's going to make me better. It's going to exalt me. I'm going to get more respect. I'm going to get more honor. Who wouldn't take something like that? And it was all of his people that he had put in place. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being open and his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed 
and gave thanks before his God as he had done aforetime. Now, why would Daniel do that? Why would Daniel go to his window where he was where he was accustomed to praying three times a day and looking towards Israel, towards Jerusalem? Well, it goes back several hundred years to the th- the third king that existed in Israel. Remember Saul and was became wicked, disobeyed God, and then David, who fell, but then repented, and God saw him as a man after his own heart. And then, of course, we have Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man, and he asked God something specific. He says, he says God says, what is it that you want me to do for you? And he says, I want to have this wisdom and knowledge so that I can, you know, guide your people. And, of course, God blessed him. He says, since you didn't ask for riches and gains, I'm going to bless you. And blessed him with everything in abundance. But there was a prayer that he made soon after that. Soon after he was crowned. And we see that in 1 Kings chapter 8. And we'll start in 22. And then we're going to skip around in that chapter because of lack of time. But you'll understand why Daniel was praying and facing towards Jerusalem. It's always important for us to see the whys. Why would he open his window? Why would he pray towards Jerusalem? Well, that's a great question, and we and there's a great answer for that. Remember, Scripture always backs up Scripture, Scripture, and Scripture always tells you and I the truth because it is inspired by God. Now, if you just tuned in, this is Freedom with Adam Riojas as we're going through uh, Daniel chapter 6, and we see now Daniel facing Jerusalem, and we're about to see why he faced Jerusalem. And what was the reason for that? And Solomon, and in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 22, Solomon prayed this. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or or on earth beneath. No one's like you, God. No one is comparable to you on this whole existence that you have created who keep his covenant or promises and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. Listen to that, with all their heart. You know that in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrew, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Then it, later on it says that without faith, it is impossible to God. For he that serveth God must faithfully do it, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently Seek him. It, it's about the same thing when it says, Thy servant that walketh before thee with all thy heart. God keeps his promises. If you're walking after God with your whole heart, with your whole heart God is going to bless you. And, and that's a promise for God. And if you're doing that and God is not answering, then you need to be back on your knees and say, God, your word says this. Then it says, who has kept with thy servant David, my father, thou promised him, thou spakest also with thy mouth, and hast fulfilled it with thy hand as it is this day. Therefore now, Lord God of Israel, keep with thee thy servant David, my father, that had promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in thy sight to sit on thy throne of Israel, so that thy children take heed to their way, that they walk before me as thou hast walked before me. Again, that's ultimately Jesus sitting on the throne, because he kept his promise, Jesus will be the ultimate and final king that earth knows. 26 is this. And now, O God Israel, let thy word, I pray thee, be verified, which thou spakest unto my father David, my my uh, David, my father. Uh, but will God indeed dwell in the earth? Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have built. Yet have thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication. God, respect my prayer, God, respect my petition. O Lord, my God, to hearken unto the cry, to the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee today. Listen to me, God, that thine eye may be open toward this house night and day. God, that you may look upon this building, the this temple that I have built, 
even toward the place of which thou hast said, my name shall be there, that thou mayest hearken unto the prayer which thy servant shall make toward this place. He's saying, God, if anyone is gone astray, everybody's doing anything, and they look towards Jerusalem to this temple, listen to them, and hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant, of thy people Israel, when they shall pray towards this place, and hear thou in heaven for thy dwelling place when thou hearest, Forgive. And then in 44, it says this. If we skip down to 44 of the same chapter. If thy people go out to battle against your enemy, whithersoever thou shalt send them and shall pray unto the Lord toward the city which thou hast chosen and towards the house that I have built for thy name, then hear thou in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause, if they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, angry with them, and deliver them to the enemy, so that they carry them away captives unto the land of the enemy far or near. They end up in another country. Yet if they shall bethink themselves in the land, whether they were carried captive, and repent and make, listen to this, and make supplication Unto thee in the land of them that carried them captive, saying, We have sinned and have done perversely. We have committed wickedness. And so return unto thee with all their heart and with their soul in the land of their enemies, which let them away captive and pray unto thee toward the land which thou gavest unto the fathers, the city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name. Then hear thou their prayer and their supplication in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause. Daniel was a studied man. He knew what Solomon had prayed, and he knew that when he opened his door, regardless of the persecution that was happening, that if he faced that area, that God would hear from heaven. And it continues when we're back in Daniel. We're going to go through these briefly because briefly because we want to get through this chapter. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said, Thou unto King Darius, live forever. And, and then, they, of course, they brought accusation, and then they said this. It says, Wherefore King Darius signed the written decree in verse 9. 10 says this, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being opened in his chamber, Toward Jerusalem. Now we know why he was looking toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did after time. He's still thanking God in the midst of the rebellion that was happening and was taking place when everybody was bowing down and not asking petition of God. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Has thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any God or man within 30 days, except thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing is true. According to the law of meds and the prisons which altereth not, it is true. Then answered they and said before the king, the king's heart must have dropped. And it says this, then answered they and said before the king, that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, Regard it not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh this petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself because he didn't look into the matter. He didn't think that these men were that bold to set king, to set Daniel or set him up. And then he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down son to deliver him. He did everything possible to deliver him, to, 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 to change their minds. I'm sure he petitioned his counsel. And, a, and, and then it says, then the king commanded that they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions, not willing so. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, thy God whom thou servest, continually 
he will deliver thee. He knew that there was something special about Daniel. Do people know there's something special about you? Can they see Jesus shine through you? In your workplaces, are you representing this light? Are you letting your light shine? It's exactly what's happening here. And cast him into the den of lions. Wow. And a stone was brought and laid it upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said, O Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, as thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions, a sincere cry. Then said Daniel unto him, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and I shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me for as much as before him. Innocent was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done a hurt. There was a king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den. Victory. And no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. The question today is, Do you believe in your God? And the king commanded that they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of the lions. Them, their children, their wives, and their lions had the mastery of them and they break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, this is God being glorified. Are you trusting God for them lions that are raging around you, those that hate you, those that are standing against you, this is what happens. Then King, King Darius wrote unto all the nations in languages that dwell on all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. I proclaim that God is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. Never, people, don't be shaken by our current situation. God's kingdom will never be destroyed and his dominion shall be unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven. He still does that. There's a wonders and, 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 and these signs that follow believers when you pray for somebody. When someone comes to the Lord, that's a sign and a wonder. When God provides you a good job, that's a sign and a wonder. When God heals you, that's a sign and a wonder. You being alive, listening today is a sign and a wonder. You believing that God can heal you right now is a sign and a wonder. I believe who had delivered Daniel from the power of the lions so that Daniel prospered in his reign of Darius and he reigned of Cyrus the Persian. Wow. I hope that shook you up and know that God is in control. Wife, will you do us the honor of closing us in prayer? Heavenly Father, you are the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for you? And Father God, we just thank you, Father, for your word that surpasses all understanding. And Father, we pray today for all the listeners. Um, We pray for Mayor the mayor that we just had on there for him and his family, blessings and protection over him as he continues on to that straight path. And Father, we pray for every single listener today, blessings and protection over them as well. In Jesus' name. We love you guys. We thank you for listening Hawaii. Thank you for tuning in, San Diego. We love you. And we just praise God for his goodness. We thank you. Look us up. And if you want to do anything for this ministry, pray for us. Go to our website at thecrossoceanside.com or freedom at adamriojas.com. You can reach me there by, by email. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. 
and know that God loves you more and that God is in perfect control. God, bless the mayor of Vista in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him at freedom at adamriojas.com. Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K-Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy Associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 